cricket is coming and it's time for a bat. We're going to sub some bodies and we'll have a good laugh. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Get It Waxed, the Macclesfield Cricket Club podcast. Over the coming weeks and months, we intend to go behind the scenes of Max CC and meet some of the players and characters at the club, find out some things about them you never knew or most likely never wanted to know, and above all, hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Macclesfield Cricket Club is grateful for the continued support of our various sponsors. Today's featured sponsor is Pet Food Supplies. Pet Food Supplies are a local family-run pet shop based in Macclesfield. With friendly and approachable staff willing to give advice for all your animal needs, Pet Food Supplies also offer a delivery service available to the local area. You can find out more at www.mosslanepetfood.co.uk or by searching Pet Food Supplies on Facebook. Without further ado, I would like to introduce today's guest. A former first-team captain, this man grew up playing his cricket at Parkside before making the move to Mac. Infamous for some of his antics off the field as well as on it, he moved away from Macclesfield seven years ago, but is never too far away from Mac in spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Ben Morrison. Bimo, how are you? Hi Miles, I'm good mate, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very, very good. Are you enjoying the glorious weather on this lovely bank holiday Monday? I am. I've just shut the doors to the outside, though. There's quite a lot of noise outside. I don't want to interfere with your very professional podcast making. So I'm just <laughs> going to stifle in the heat for a little while. But I do, I mean, it's bank holiday. I've got a beer. I'm very happy. And actually, some time spent uh, talking Mac Cricket Club with you is a beautiful distraction from, from lockdown at the moment. So glad to get the call up. Oh, no, not at all. It's it's my it's my great pleasure. You, you've been very in demand yeah, with, with lots of the boys. So absolutely thrilled to have you on. First question, you've, you've led me onto it nicely. How uh, How's the family? How's everything down in London? Yeah, mate, we're all good. So this is now, what, week nine, week 10 of lockdown. I think if you'd asked me any point in the first two months, I'd have said life is brilliant, loving it. Um, I've been furloughed for about seven weeks, so it's great to have lots of family time. I think in the last week, it's definitely, or my mindset shifted to just wanting to see people and play outside and do some of the stuff we used to do. So hopefully there's a little bit of light uh, coming through the tunnel and we can get back to having fun again. And uh, is it is it is it a madhouse with a little one at home in lockdown or how, how is it all going? Yeah, we're in a, a smallish flat or a very small flat and she, she started crawling a, a few weeks ago, so... Uh, it is, yeah, just constantly following around or her following me around. But to be honest, mate, it's just, I just feel really lucky to get to spend so much time with her at the moment. And Alice and I have never spent so much time together. So obviously that's been uh, wondrous and an absolute joy at all times. <laughs> and how is the lovely Alice? Yeah, mate, she's brilliant. She's absolutely brilliant. She's loving having some extra help as well because she's she's still on maternity at the moment. So it's nice to do it as a three. Oh, she, I should say, she says hey to everyone. She, I mean, she loves Matt Cricket Club more than I do and lots of the people in it. So a big shout out from her as well. Well, I think it's fair to say on behalf of everyone, lots of love back to Alice uh, from all of us at Mac and to you. Of course. Moving on after the pleasantries, uh, let's talk about some cricket, Bimo. I know you're very excited to do so. Beer in hand, sweltering in the flat. What would you say your earliest cricketing memories are? I I used to play a lot of football um, and my parents, I think I must have been about nine or ten, wanted to find an alternative sport to football for me because football was just making me too sad. Correct. I was, not just the playing of it. Uh, if I ever wasn't picked, I think I'd uh, throw an absolute... Paddy, if I got subbed off the pitch, I would 
run off the other side rather than back to where my teammates are and just hide and wait for someone to find me, which inevitably they, they wouldn't. So I think I wasn't quite as good at football as uh, I wanted to, wanted to be in my head. Um, and it was making me a bit miserable. So my parents, uh, my dad's South African, he always loved cricket. Um, so they out Parkside Cricket Club. So my first experiences were at Mac Leisure Centre as part of the junior setup for Parkside. So you've just alluded to there, obviously, starting out with cricket at Parkside and the Leisure Centre. Are there kind of any key memories of perhaps some coaching or early games and, and getting into match type situations, that sort of thing you can remember? Yeah, so I, I think I was nine, nine or ten when I started. So I had a few years in the under-11s there and just, just loved cricket, um, loved competing. I don't think we were particularly uh, successful. We didn't win that many games necessarily, but it was, it was just so much fun. Um, and we actually had quite a good group of, of players coming through together. And um, I think one of the best things about being a Parkside at that time was that it was a lot easier to get into the senior setup at a younger age. And when I was uh, 12, I started playing second team at Parkside. Um, and in terms of the kind of characters that you'd be aware of, I think Steve Horrocks was, was a big, well, certainly a big part of the second team there, but a big part of the junior setup um, as well at Parkside and played with his son for quite a few years. Phil Horrocks. So in terms of early coaching, so the, the first, probably the first big influence um, on me as a, a young cricketer was someone that I've not heard mentioned yet on the podcast, which is a bit, a bit of a surprise. He's a very, comes from a very esteemed uh, cricketing family. I loved his cricket. It was a guy, a guy called Gary Foy. Um, and he, he ran the junior setup at that time at Parkside. And he kind of um, took me under a very comfortable wing so to speak, and, uh, and groomed me into uh, the young cricketer that, that I became. So we used to uh, open the batting together for a couple of years in the second team. And he, I mean, I was, I was small and very, very weak. So I, I couldn't hit the ball uh, at all. I couldn't hit the ball off the square, but he would just encourage me and encourage me to just bat the whole innings. And I took that very literally at that time. So I'd often score 25 or 50 overs and come off just ecstatic. I just batted for 50 overs. I think the only issue with with that plan, looking back, is that Gary also couldn't hit the ball off the square. So it wasn't like a partnership where one's doing one thing and one's doing the other. So we'd often be about 17 for naught off 35 overs. But, but I enjoyed it. I just, I loved, loved batting. I think those times as well, so Steve, Steve Horrocks was playing, him and a chap called Martin Bale, who was kind of a similar age to Steve. They used to open the bowling together. And kind of the opposite of... Uh, giving youth a chance they would bowl probably the first 45 of the innings 45 overs of the innings every week um, and they were they were quite effective yeah it's just funny looking back so yeah loads I mean loads of great memories and then I made it into the Parkside first team at probably 14 15 had a good couple of seasons there with that group and I mean just some brilliant characters in that you've got the Knights uh, Jabba and Johnny DC Matty Towns Matt Bettridge uh, side pat, uh, the bales, the huts. It was a kind of really good, really good, really fun setup and a, a great place to start playing cricket. And then I believe I'm right in saying you moved over to playing for Macclesfield when you were under 15. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. So made the made the jump across at 50. Yeah. So I started playing when I was 15 in 2004. And so I remember it being such a big decision at the time I kind of really really agonized over it which is a bit silly looking back but it felt like a big step but I mean Parkside was such a such a family so to move across some max seniors I mean there was a 
couple there that um, I don't think we're delighted uh, with the move. Um, but I, I suppose it was easier because the juniors merged far younger than the seniors. So I knew quite a lot of the people at Mac and I started training a little bit with the seniors at Mac. Who were some of the key names kind of youth-wise that you, know, you, were, you were in and around at an early age, should we say? At Mac or Parkside? Well, both, I suppose. Obviously, when you're saying you knew some of the, the younger lads from, from Mac and then, you know, because they obviously merge a bit younger with the juniors and things like that. Yeah, so we, we I mean, we had a fairly decent side. So, we, uh, so Tom Green, um, who's a very good mate of mine, so he started playing Mac ones at the same time as me. He bowled leggies. He was in there. Who else? James Copley. Oh, God, his dad, Clive. He was involved in the junior setup at, at Mac when we first moved across. He was a kind of chain-smoking, brilliant, kind of tell-it-how-it-is <laughs> kind of character uh, who, who brought a lot of us, a lot of us through. Uh, and he was brilliant. So, yeah, he coached for quite a few years as well. But juniors, I mean, it wasn't until a little bit later that the likes of Callum Park came across. And I was a few years above uh, some of the players that came through, like uh, Keno and Pete Barron and, and Jack Ward. So, yeah, there wasn't loads of us starting at the same time in the seniors over at back. And uh, alongside, obviously, playing for Macclesfield and moving over from Parkside, which, you know, you said was quite a big decision. Um, we know from the uh, from the Tom Parfit podcast that you were you were both involved in the in the Cheshire system. And he uh, he regaled us with an excellent story about how the both of you were, were batting 10 and 11 and bowling and my my first question and, and dare i say it probably the most important one is can you confirm who batted 10 and who batted 11 path was 11 <laughs> every time i knew you were going to say that i think i think on that day i'd had quite a strong demotion down the order um so i came and joined path down there but yeah no we did we did bat 10 and 11 i used to bowl off spin off about a 25 yard run up i'd sprint in and then leap just as, as high as I could jump, four yards in the air, and then bowl a dart of an off spin. Um, so yeah, that's what I used to do at the time. But I was uh, Cheshire Bowler of the Year, under 12. Oh, wow. And then basically never bowled again after that. Well, we'll get on to that because I dispute that claim because uh, unless I'm mistaken, you, you've got a few uh, bowling bowling statistics on your play cricket but maybe we'll get to that possibly there's some uh, erroneous um, information on there who knows um and, and the other the other key key question i must ask is especially as you've just mentioned that you were bowling off spin um do you turn it more than rob porter uh i didn't turn it at all but yes i do turn it more than rob porter thank you thank you very much for confirming that um now joking aside how, how would you kind of describe your, your sort of cheshire experience and 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 how far did you kind of progress with that i mean obviously we you know as a club we're lucky to have players that have gone through all of the the youth systems and then gone on to have you know um long and and sort of very successful careers with Cheshire at the, at the highest level but then we've also got people who have been in and around it and then sort of fallen away from it um, and that sort of thing so be kind of interested to to see what your take on it was really. Uh, yeah Cheshire was brilliant so under 12 is when I started playing and I played all the way through to the development team and um, other than missing missing one year I think I missed under 15 and was so disappointed that I didn't go to school my mum called in six <laughs> called in six for me to say that Ben's heartbroken and uh, and won't be coming in today. I mean, I I just love cricket. I I know you're a, a cricket badger. I'm definitely a cricket badger. When I first started playing for Cheshire, I don't think I took my kit off for uh, a good a good couple of months. Um, so yeah, which was just really proud. Um, I mean, growing through through that whole time, I just I just wanted to be a cricketer. If anyone ever asked what what job I wanted to do um, as a career, that's that's definitely what I would have said. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, no, the Cheshire setup was uh, was brilliant. I actually later learned, in fact, fairly recently learned that that year that I didn't get in at under 15. There was um, a coach that we had at 14s and 15s who, who I won't name his name, but he was a nightmare and is notorious for being a nightmare. And it turned out that on one of the last games of the 14 season, he was, we'd lost the game. He'd sat all the players around him and was just bollocking us, but not a quick bollocking. This was like 45 minutes and all the parents were waiting around the outside wanting to take us home. And as soon as he, in fact, I think before he finished, my dad came over and pulled him aside and gave him a bollocking, which I kind of hadn't clocked at the time, but they had a big argument and then I didn't get picked the next year. So my dad revealed that to me uh, fairly recently, which has gone some way to easing that heartbreak that I felt at the time, healing that wound. <laughs> oh, wow. There we go. There's all sorts being revealed on the podcast here. We've, we've got family family fallouts you know we've we've got everything this is a podcast for for not just cricket fans here ladies and gentlemen we've got some genuine drama yeah going on. <laughs> sure. my dad is, is brilliant but he actually looking back he does have a history of that i remember him um <laughs> giving an absolute spray i think it was beef uh chris buckley played in my first couple of years he'd he'd ran me out twice in two weeks on the second week my dad my dad's dad and gave him an absolute bollocking in front of loads of people about ruining my weekend. <laughs> <laughs> which I think he was absolutely justified. So your dad gave Beavis a massive spray? Yeah, which for anyone that knows Beavis, that would not have gone near to touching him. <laughs> it would have gone straight over his head. He would have smiled and gone, oh, that's nice. <laughs> so uh, so br- bringing it back to, to Macclesfield now, obviously, you know, um, as you say, you started playing for Mac when you were, you were 15, um, sort of progressing through the, through the Chester system alongside, apart from the, the heartbreak year and, and, you know, obviously the, the big emotional secret that's been, that's been dropped on you recently. Um, uh, how sort of quickly did you progress within the Mac setup and, and um, you know, how were you sort of early years playing senior cricket? Yeah, it was, it was just really good fun. So that first year in... 2004. Danny Ackley was captain. Um, I'd, I think the first couple of games batted at about seven. Batting, we were not known for our batting, I think in the years previous and certainly not that year. It was very, very rare that we'd get to 120, but we'd often still be competitive. Our bowling lineup was was unbelievable. And it was, it was really interesting listening to Chuck's podcast because the kind of a lot of the core of that team I think that played with Chuck when he was talking about his, his legacy and what he would have liked to have left they really really played that tough cricket they just wanted to be uh, a nightmare to play against it was that that c word that often gets used I think it's uh, be competitive competitive mm-hmm. and just getting their faces and sledge and do all of that and it was Definitely just a strong, strong part of the ethos at that time. So we'd often bat first, we'd score about 110, and then we'd give it a really, a real good go um, at knocking them over. Yeah. Um, I was having a little flick through before. There's not many scorecards from that year. I think there's only about seven or eight from the, from the season. Yes. But almost all of them were 85 all out and they've knocked them off 86 or seven, that, that kind of, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was good fun to come into. So I batted at seven the first couple of games. I think I'd looked all right technically, so got promoted to open for the rest of the season. Um, and at that point, it was very similar <laughs> similar to how I used to play at Parkside. I, I was just told just to bat and bat and bat. Um, so I'd often bat 35, 40 overs um, and not score many, 
but hopefully help the team out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think, obviously, if you're playing in a team where, you know, 100 <laughs> all out is, is a good day at the office, someone that can can stick around and just bat time is 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 a useful commodity. Obviously, it, it, it generates its own sense of pressure for those that have to come in at the other end. Um, and, and that's always been the, the sort of arguments and uh, is sort of balancing that. But I, I think I've always been a sort of firm believer that, that you know, even even at the, the level and the standard of pr- cricket that we play at, if you've got an opener that can, can bat you 35, 40 overs, you're going to take that most days of the week, um, even, even if they only score the same number of runs as overs they faced um it's yeah it's i mean unless you're playing a t20 or something then possibly it's not quite the same but yeah no that that was how i lived my life back then i was only in a race with the overs and i normally lost <laughs> you're only battling yourself bemo as we know um so obviously in and around that mac team and we will come back to your stats and, and a couple of games that we want to talk about but i do want to mention the fact that you had um a season abroad in australia in the sort of 2006-2007 um season which i assume is obviously after you finished school um do you firstly want to tell us where you were and, and just jealous generally tell us about that experience yeah so i went over i kind of always planned to go over um i'd actually i think when i was about <laughs> about 12 had lined up one of Max Aussies at the time, Ian's Wigglesworth, to go and stay on his farm. So he used to coach me a little bit. Um, and I just had it in my head that I wanted to go out and play out there. So it had always been part of the plan. Um, I went over to after my A-levels um, with Tom Green. Uh, and we both went and played at Northcote. So in my first year, we had an Aussie called Sam McTaggart, who achieved... A lot more, I'd say, <laughs> great cricket on the field, achieved a lot more off the field and was uh, an absolute character and became quite renowned uh, around, <laughs> around Macclesfield. Um, he, he played at Northcote, so that was the link. So I went over and stayed with him for, uh, for a little bit. Um, Northcote play uh, in the District League, mm-hmm. um, so decent standard. Uh, I played in the fours and a little bit of threes. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, what, what an experience, like eye opening, um, <laughs> the cricket was good. We definitely agree. So playing threes and fours, it's kind of like stubby. So when other people have said about the long grass, um, I ran myself out quite a few times, <laughs> um, thinking they were easy twos and so on and then turning around and the, the balls over the top of the stumps. Um, but it was, I think mean, what I've always loved about cricket and certainly when I realized I wasn't going to make it the tables kind of flipped a little bit more is that it's I love the uh, the fun the, the kind of family camaraderie that the messing about but the competitive stuff as well but I think this was the year that I mean it was definitely more about fun for me and Oz I knew I wasn't going to set the world alight I didn't have any ambitions of trying to get into their first team um, and all I'd known was Aussies coming over and just being absolute debaucherous reprobates so that was kind of, I think kind of what I was expecting when I went over um Sam obviously so Sam um him so I stayed with him and one of his friends who was kind of as bad as he was and they were house sitting for the coach the first team coach of Northcote the coach was away at the time we stayed at theirs and I just couldn't believe how they were treating the place um it was like I mean I hadn't been to uni at that point but it was like freshers week times about four and then when the, and I was, I remember being paranoid that I was going to get off to such a bad start with the, the coach of the club. Um, and kind of had a black mark against my name, the fact that I've been contributing to all this, all this mess in his house. And the coach came back and he was just as bad as them. 
if not worse. And that's, I'd say, my experience of playing cricket at Northcote and cricket um, in Australia. They they certainly, like Chuck was saying, they they play hard and they work hard. And would you say that, you know, as a, as a touring Englishman over in Australia, did you did you feel duty bound to bring your own sort of debaucherous uh, antics to, to Australia with you? I'd say, I mean, I would have tried to keep up, but I was nowhere near their level. They were seasoned, seasoned pros. Uh, all that kind of stuff. So I think I've probably learned a few things uh, to take back in the years following. But uh, at that time, I was kind of just watching. <laughs> Taking it all in. Yeah. Yeah, it was an experience. It was a lot. I dare say so. And 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 any sort of, you know, key performances or anything, you know, you experienced when you were uh, when you were over there? In terms of the cricket, I mean. Yeah, in terms of cricket, I was, I was fairly terrible. Um, most of the season i didn't i didn't have a great time i made towards the end of the season i made a um a good 100 144 not out in a in a two day game um which won us won us a game in a fairly big chase and then played threes after that um and did a lot better in the threes than i'd done in, done in the twos um it was just good it was very like very different i actually came back and kind of kicked on a little bit for mac and and had my best years uh, at Mac following that so I think it was, it was really good for me training hard a couple of times a week um, facing a lot of good bowlers good decks um, so yeah it was good fun but I, I certainly didn't set the, set the world alight Right Ben I think uh, now it's time to to have a look at some stats and then obviously I know there's a, a few games that we're going to feature on but first first things first we've got to got to run through your, your batting and your bowling as I alluded to earlier there are some bowling stats but we'll cover the batting first um, so as per play cricket um, you have played 183 games with 175 innings five not outs scoring 3,500 3,757 runs with a high score of 90. Uh, you scored 17 fifties and you have a very respectable, I would say, 15 ducks. Then for the bowling stats, now you'll have to tell me whether some of these are true or not, but you said you didn't bowl, but you've got 76.4 overs from 2013. Yeah, so I think this has come up before with other people's stories. Um, coincidentally, that was the year that I captained. So I'd never bowled a ball for Macclesfield uh, until I captained. Uh, Rossi, so on Rossi's episode, he um, he spoke about that he was it was expected of him that he would bowl because he's the overseas. And I do remember when we picked him up uh, on the way back, I asked him, uh, where do you want to bat? Uh, and he told me, and then I said, oh, by the way, you're going to be bowling. Is that okay? Because I don't think we were that heavy on bowlers. Um, so then in, in one of the it must have been first or second game, I brought him on. I, I don't even know why. I mean, Rossi, <laughs> Rossi when he bats, is, is graceful. He looks brilliant. Everything's fluid. When he bowls, it's an absolute mess. Like it just, his limbs just don't coordinate. It's awkward. It's heavy. It's like, it just looks painful. So I'd seen that in the nets, but for some reason still brought him on. So brought him on for an over, and it was so bad that I took him off. Um, but still needs someone to bowl. So I, I brought myself on. And I, um, I mean, I've never bowled a ball for Mac. So all I was thinking, so I bowled seam up. All I was thinking was just don't, like, just don't bowl a wide, just put it somewhere near the stump. And it was coming out very, very slowly. Um, but I think we were playing Chester and I took four wickets. No idea how. So that was the first, first experience bowling, bowled four wickets. And I mean, I was, I was pumped. 
like giving them all send-offs, even though I was bowling about 35 miles an hour, and just got so into it that after that, that was it. I'm bowling this year. Well, we'll run through your bowling stats for what they are. So as per play cricket, you have 127.4 overs, uh, eight maidens uh, with 34 wickets, with the best bowling of four for 15, um, and you have an economy rate of 4.7. Um, we'll we'll just take a look at your uh, your bowling stats, because you do actually have two forfers, would you believe? Mm. You've got a forfer against Neston, where you bowled third change, a bowled 7.2 overs, no maidens, four for 27. And, uh, and then I assume the other game, is against Cheshire, uh, Chester, is it? No, I think I got confused. I think that was a nesting game. Ah, okay. Well, apparently you you also have another forfer, although I can't actually see the cut scorecard. So we'll just assume it's real. But um, yeah, they're, they're your bowling stats, Ben. I mean, who who said being a captain and bowling yourself never paid off? <laughs> yeah. It's good, but I'd spent, uh, like Barney would attest to this. In fact, any captain that we'd had, I would, would have spent a considerable amount of time every Thursday begging the captain to have a bowl on Saturday. <laughs> so it was always part of my plan, but because it, I think Barney had this thing. So this is it, the whole problem with bowling captains that I wasn't a proper bowler. I didn't bowl quick enough. And if I bowled, it would be ruining the art of bowling, <laughs> which he, he's the master of. Um, so he just wouldn't even entertain it. So yeah, as soon as I was captain, that was it. I'm going to have a go. Well, you, you bagged yourself 19 wickets in the 2013 season. So uh, what what can you say? I mean, clearly you have indicated in your decision. Yeah, I think I topped our bowling averages as well <laughs> oh, God. that year. So shout out to, to Ian Tate. <laughs> I can't even imagine what Tatey thinks or thought of you at the time. Uh, perhaps I'll ask him if I... Forever, to be honest. Well, quite, yeah. He's... Uh... He's a he's a tough man to peel the layers back on. Um, anyway, moving moving swiftly onwards. There's a couple of games that I, I kind of want to discuss with you, um, and one very much plays into the the stories you were talking about earlier in in the early years of you know getting bowled out very cheaply and and trying to fight. Um, and and this is one of those such games. So from this is from the fifth of June two thousand and four, um, and this is when Mac were playing in the Prem. So Macclesfield won the toss and batted first and were 74 all out. Um, and I believe you might have even top scored. You did. You, you opened the batting with uh, Captain Danny Ackerley, um, who incidentally got a duck, not that anyone's listening. Um, you got 21, which on any other day wouldn't seem like a great deal. But as I say, you top scored. Um, I'll, I'll let you tell us about this game, obviously. Uh, and I haven't reviewed yeah. the result yet, but maybe you can you can talk us through that. So I think we batted 41 overs for our, how many did you say we got? 78? Yeah, 78. I saw this, yes, so 41 overs. So that, I mean, that was, I would have batted almost all of those 41 overs, I think, for that, that 21. And it was, I mean, it was, it was really good fun because the standard in the Prem is obviously decent enough and I still couldn't hit the ball off the square at all at that time. But my, my technique, it's quite, my technique got worse and worse the more I played. But at that point, I had quite a solid technique and it was quite difficult to get out. But they had, Oxton had this, I mean, I thought of him all through that first season as my nemesis. I mean, he probably didn't know I existed. But they had a, an Aussie who opened the batting and the bowling. Um, and he was, he was fairly sharp. But he, I, mean, I played a miss against him probably 50 times and he was getting more and more frustrated. He was sledging me so 
badly and I was getting more and more angry at him. I mean, super personal stuff. He was like questioning my mental capabilities. He was saying all sorts of stuff. I'm sure you can imagine from, um, from an Aussie, but kind of gritted it out, kept batting. Um, anyway, we only scored 78. So it's not like we're thinking we're going to win the game at this point. Um, he came and said, like, we, I think we were happy. definitely wasn't the worst score I mean we had quite a few 50s that year Um, he came out to open the batting so as I said our our bowling attack was unbelievable I think on that day only three bowlers were used so Ronnie bowled 14 overs took four for 15 Um, Barney took a wicket and then Sam McTaggart the Aussie that I talked about who so he was um, a bowling all-rounder and he was he was rapid he was one of the quickest bowlers that that I faced and he took five for 15 on that day unfortunately he got injured quite early on in the season and couldn't really bowl after that um we got relegated that year I don't think we would have done if he'd he'd stayed fit um very very good bowler and um, but anyway this Aussie op- opened the batting I was down at third man um just in front of Victoria Road to the opposite end to the um pavilion mm-hmm. to the changing rooms this Aussie had come in and I was still feeding at him. He got out fairly early and was making his way off. People were celebrating. I ignored the celebration. I just had red mitt. Sprinted from third man across the field, caught up with him just before he got off the pitch and just screamed at him. And you're calling me not very good. And the rest of the boys, because I was just timid 15-year-old, looked over at me and just burst out laughing and I think that was uh, a kind of a moment of acceptance in, in that team <laughs> so the Aussie wasn't very happy he made his way over and I just kind of came back into myself and realized what I'd done and, and got quite embarrassed but, um, but yeah caught up in the in the heat of battle <laughs> um, so yeah so we we skittled them for uh, 51 and I think that was my first song at the time um big night out afterwards i remember we all all went out um and the guy i mean the guys were great they were just so welcoming that team they kind of really took me under their wing they'd look after me they'd take me out they'd buy me beers they'd get me into places um and make sure i got home at the at the end of it but that was definitely like just a really competitive tough enjoyable game of cricket um and exactly what i remember from from that first year <laughs> I'm very good to get your uh, your first song. I'm sure you were screaming through the wall at them. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I knew what was happening. <laughs> we didn't win many games that year. <laughs> I hadn't heard it before. I was confused. Everyone knew what we were singing. The other game that I want to focus on is is from a little bit later on, um, and this is from the 21st of August 2010, um, and this is Macclesfield versus Heaton Mersey. Um, this time from the first division, um, Macclesfield won the toss and elected to bat and posted 252 for six declared or 48 overs. Um, and yourself, you opened the batting uh, with Rob Keane and you uh, you scored 90 that day. Um, is that your highest score for the first team? Yes, it is. Yeah, one of my regrets, if you can call it that, is never scoring 100 for Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, that was the first and only time I made it into the 90s yeah that was my top score I think it is key to point out that um you scored your 90 off 99 balls which by everything you've told us up until this point 
um, is seriously going some for you. Although it has to be said, you were six years older um, than your, you know, <laughs> your debut game in two thousand and four. But uh, yeah, t- tell us about the innings and and obviously your your performance. Yeah, so to kind of put it in context, so twenty ten. So I'd say I had I played nine full seasons Mac, um, and I probably had three where on the cricket field I was a good value <laughs> to the team and contributed. And that was 2009, 10, and 11. Either side of that, I was awful. Um, 2010, we uh, got promoted that year from Div 1, and we didn't have an Aussie. So we'd had this kind of core group of players that had been together for a while, um, and we were playing well. And it was definitely one of the uh, the seasons that I'm more proud of being part of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we'd not relied on Aussies, but we'd obviously been blessed with some incredible Aussies that dominated. So if you get promoted and you Aussie scored 1,100 runs, it kind of takes the, the gloss slightly on um, on what the rest of you have contributed or what you've done. Um, so it was just a really enjoyable season. This game was towards the back end of the season, maybe second or third game out. And we, we were up there. We just had to keep uh, keep winning, keep scoring points. So yeah, so in, in terms of the, the game, it's funny. So when you reference how slow I to begin with I kind of flipped a switch where to begin with I was technically very good and scored very slowly and then my technique went worse and worse and worse I'd score quicker and quicker and I was clicking through a, a few of the scorecards for this season I, I think I scored 350s at better than a run of ball which I don't remember doing but yeah I definitely changed my completely changed how I played just going out and having a slash and either get out early or, or get a few well I think it's fair to say you definitely got a few this day um do you do you remember sort of being aware of approaching the 90s were you, were you aware of that or how, how did the innings go when you got past 50 no I think I'd, at that point I'd taken a very uh Joss Butler ethic kind of approach to batting so I didn't really think about about much at all at that point just try to hit the ball have fun I think it's probably more of a surprise when I got out on 90 that I'd got that many rather than knowing that I was approaching getting there you uh you must have had a fairly sizable partnership with um cal that day because uh you obviously opened the batting got 90 and cal batted three and got 65 do you, do you remember uh any any tips from cal was he trying to coach you towards that 100 or was he just telling you to get it whacked yeah no i think it was always the other way around actually with me and cal he'd um really look up to me for technical advice um for anything that could just help help his game a little bit quite a role model I did score a lot quicker than him that day so I was probably more trying to encourage him to come out of his shell a bit uh, and hit the ball I think well I'm sure you know given the opportunity Carl would accredit you with uh, with a great many things on and off the cricket pitch I think it's fair to say without a doubt <laughs> well in the context of the game um, and the season as you said Mackwood just looking to pick up points uh, posted 252 for six declared um, and had Heaton Mersey uh, 170 for eight down in the game and the match was drawn um, but as you say obviously Mack went, went on um, you know towards the back end of the season and, and, and did the business and got promoted yeah no, it was brilliant. And I remember the, the celebrations as well. I mean, we didn't win a lot at Mac. We yo-yoed a bit. So we, I think I probably played in three seasons where we went up, but four that we, four that we went down. Um, and this, I mean, the celebra- we celebrated when we lost. So when we'd get promoted or win a cup, the celebrations were kind of out of this world. But yeah, no, I do remember coming back to the club after the last game 
think we played Witness last game of the season and we um, yeah, we had a good time. Excellent. Look, Bimo, we're just uh, drawing on towards uh, the next section of the podcast and, and obviously we've had the, the word association game has been uh, <laughs> unleashed on a few unsuspecting uh guests of the podcast and I, I thought it might be quite fun to to do the same with you uh providing you're up for it mate let's go so i've, I've got a few uh few things to, to to name for you and we'll just see what comes into your head okay so coat hanger ow <laughs> craig melrose fluffy jim melrose lovely Khalid sawas legend nick ross sorry <laughs> ian tate love him he doesn't love me Love him too much. He doesn't love me. Tom Parfit. Blinders. Mitch Moores. Disc of Doom. Andy Moores. So many good times. I'm just going to say good times. Robert Porter. Second father. <laughs> very, very good. Now, on, on the subject of Rob Porter, he did make mention on his podcast of, of a little incident that he did mention something to do with a stump. Is there, is there any comment you wish to pass on this from the podcast? I think there's uh, another wound caused by that stump that I'm not willing to, <laughs> to to open up or get into. But I would say anyone getting changed near Rob Porter in a changing room, just just be very careful. Have your wits about you. This is <laughs> actually like this. This time at the club was when like, prank wars kind of got a little bit out of hand. I'd say <laughs> the the lengths people were going to just to to hurt people, to screw them over. Uh, to have laughs at their expense was kind of at its peak at that time, I'd say. And I've no doubt neither you or Ports were heavily involved in, in either of these things, correct? Uh, Ports was. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> well, I have been uh, reliably informed of a couple of other you know, situational uh, things that, that might be worth bringing up with you. Um, the first is I, I would like to get to your take on an incident involving a mobile phone and your pad. Um, I can't remember who was responsible for this. First person my mind goes to, and probably because he's responsible for lots of things, no matter how he puts himself across at the club nowadays, is is Yoz. Um, so I'd, I'd gone out to bat, um, and they hadn't done it immediately. I think it was about 10 overs in or so on. And my, uh, I was just facing up, bowl and running in, and my pad starts ringing, which was obviously quite quite confusing. Uh, I didn't know it was me that was responsible for it. Um, and it goes off and then this, this happens again. And then the umpires got, got quite curious and managed to track down what was happening to a, uh, a phone, mobile phone being stuffed into my, the knee roll of my pad. <laughs> and do you know who was responsible for this? I think it was yours. I might have got that wrong, but no apologies if I have. When uh, when we have yours on the podcast, we'll we'll make sure to uh, to bring him bring him to task for that and and get his comment on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another another incident that I'd I'd heard about on the grapevine um, was that you might have had an unsavoury situation before a game of cricket um, at five a.m. Uh, with a vagrant in in Leeds. Is this uh, is this bringing back any memories? <laughs> Close. Um, it- it was Sheffield. So I'd, um, it was the year that I was captain in the club, 2013, and I was doing a, a master's degree in Sheffield. And on the Friday, I um, completed my master's, so hand, it was dissertation hand-in day. It had been a big week, 10 days with no sleep, trying to get it done, um, and then went out with the guys on the Friday after we'd, we'd handed them in. 
Um, I was tired slash, slash a little drunk and got disconnected from everyone else. Um, my phone had run out of battery. I was in Sheffield. I didn't really know what, <laughs> what to do um, and decided to go to sleep just in like a, an open outdoor market. Um, anyway, I was woken from my slumber by said said uh, vagrant, who I assume was trying to trying to help me out, um, but I didn't really know his intentions. So anyway, I, I ran away from him. Ended up um, just kind of <laughs> staying up in Sheffield that night, and then got the first train back on Saturday morning to to the cricket. Um, hadn't slept. Captain the game. The year that I captain wasn't hugely uh, fruitful. That was one of those years that we yo-yoed and got got relegated, um, but we did actually win that game, and I think I scored one of my top scores of the season after that. So thanks to the vagrant, whatever he did, it, it worked. Um, not attempted to recreate that, but maybe that's for the best. So you were chased all the way from Sheffield by a vagrant and chased to your highest score of the season, possibly. Exactly. <laughs> Very thanks, <good>. vagrant. <laughs> Now, are there any other sort of key stories or anything you want to bring up? Um, anybody you want to, you know, give a bit of a spray to? Um, I mean, sprays, sprays, not so much. Um, yeah, my, I mean, my time at Mac, it was. I've been away from the club now for seven years, nearly. I played a couple of games sporadically um, since then, and we'll always come up and watch in a season. But it's, um, it's just not, nothing but but good, happy memories. Still got so many, I mean, so many mate for life from the club and to, yeah to me it just represents um growing up amazing experiences um being looked after I mean, it's just nice all the i mean miles we i think we first met on a on a stag do so you joined the club after i left and every, every time we've met it's either been a stag do or a wedding so we've only had good times together correct but yeah no it's 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 just lovely there was a good group i know it brought some controversy to the club a couple of years ago because i had both uh, a stag do now i don't play cricket anymore a stag do and a wedding in cricket season so some people had some tough decisions to make but i think about eight or so from the club skipped a saturday um to come to my wedding all rocked up looking like nomads i think the only eight people in shorts at, at the wedding that day uh, Ports interrupted the speeches to present me with a Matt Cricket Club shirt with a, a logo for Alice and Ben on it. And then they all got uh, got changed into their whites at about eight o'clock. <laughs> Outshone the bride and, and partied into the night. So no, I, I certainly don't want to give any sprays. Anything that's been done over the years is done for exactly the right reasons. Um, and yeah, just lots and lots of good times. Excellent. Well, uh, I have to say, um, as a man that, you know, had his wedding on the last day of the season last year, I, I do know the pains, you know, that you felt. However, I, I will say I, I only caused two people to uh, to miss any cricket that day. So I'm I'm probably in a bit more credit than you are. <laughs> yeah, I got a message from the chairman that day. Uh, do you care to care to inform us what the message was? Uh, just how much you didn't appreciate the decision <laughs> that I've made. <laughs> Very tongue in cheek, I, I think. <laughs> Probably not. I've no doubt it was. Knowing the chairman, I've no doubt it was. Uh, look, Ben, we're, we're moving towards the end of the podcast here. We've uh, we've obviously got the the infamous now, dare I say it, quick fire questions. Um, so we're we're gonna we're gonna let them loose on you and, and see what we come up with. Okay. Nickname: Bemo, Brian, and for a few years, Stinky. 
You know what? I'm 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 gonna somewhat interrupt the quickfire questions because I was kind of avoiding this, but now you've brought it up. Rob Porter on his podcast did, I think, on a number of occasions, refer to you as stinky um, and disgusting, and and probably some other unpleasant words. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say in your defence of those allegations? Oh no, my personal hygiene standards for for a number of years really slipped. I'd say, so, so no, I can't. <laughs> Uh, I do you know what turned the tables on the stinkiness? I think was um, Jabber Jason Knight <laughs> teaching me to shower properly. He, um, I'd come out of the shower after a game, and he sniffed my armpits and sent me back, and then gave, gave me a lesson in how to scrub properly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I still, when I'm in the shower now, I'm still like, okay, what would Jabber say? Go back in there. So are you telling me that you you think of Jabba when you go in the shower? Yes, yes, that's what I'm saying. Okay, uh, moving swiftly onwards and getting back to the quickfire questions before uh, anything else comes out that shouldn't. Uh, left or right-handed? Right-handed. Bat or bowl? Bat, even though from what you said, the stats show that I'm clearly a lot better at bowling. <laughs> Fielding position? Slip. Test or T20? Definitely test. Best cricketer you've played with? Um... Probably uh, Gobbler, Evan, Gob- Evan Gulbis. Fastest bowler you faced? Uh, Henry Alonga in a game against Lashings. Or uh, Sam McTaggart when he was over and bowling quickly. My kind of trial, the Mac first team, was him bowling at me in the King's Nets um, off a full run-up, which was petrifying. Messiest in the dressing room? Um, possibly myself, just for having the smelliest kit. And not being through through those stinky years, and not being that pleasant to be around, or I'd say Yoz, not because necessarily he was untidy, but his his belongings, and by belongings I mean things like dirty nappies, would somehow spread out of his bag and into other people. <laughs> he's a he's a sharer. What can I say? Um, longest in the shower. Um, it's actually quite quite tricky. There's lots of good showerers. Um, I'd actually say if, if league titles were decided on on this rather than on the cricket field, we've had a lot more success over the years. But I'd, I'd probably say Bod, Simon Attlee. Okay. A, a new name for, uh, for for people that spend a long time in the shower, I think it's fair to say, on the podcast. Moving swiftly onwards, first thing on your plate at teas? Cake. Drink of choice? Anything but port. Takeaway of choice? Curry. Dance move of choice? Um, I, so when I dance, I just move my shoulders and nothing else. <laughs> so it's not necessarily a move, but just what I do. <laughs> it's not a move, it's just what I do. You can you can quote that. Uh, three dream dinner guests, who are they? Oh, I, I think this is the cricket podcast. I'm going to go, I'm going to keep it cricket and go A.B. de Villiers, Kumar Sankara and Chris Gale. Very good. Uh, that's that's not a bad top three, to be fair, is it? No, mate, very decent. <laughs> Good characters. Excellent. Bimo, um, I have to say it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, any sort of closing remarks before we wrap the podcast up? Um, so looking, I clicked on my stats because I knew you were going to ask. And I mean, I was very disappointed about batting average. And I was in denial for quite a while because we know the stats aren't that reliable. Uh, but then when I thought about it, I think averaging 22 and a half is probably about right for my career. Um, but just would want to say that what the stats 
don't capture is that for for about five years I didn't miss a single Thursday or Saturday night out in Mac um, which looking back is insane because it is a terrible terrible night out um, it it doesn't they don't capture the length of the the body size you can do on the outfield after a rain off mm-hmm. um, or you, any of those great things how much money you've lost over the years on on Chase the Ace or playing high card with, with Tate and Path um, so yeah, it's great we focus on stats, but they definitely don't capture the, the experience of playing at a club like Mac. Very good. Well, Bimo, thank you very much for taking the time to, to have a good chat with us. It's been lovely to catch up and hopefully I'll see you at something other than a wedding or a stag do at the, in the near future. Definitely, mate. I'll be up as soon as the cricket starts. <laughs> Top man. Thanks so much, Bimo. We'll speak soon. Thanks, Miles.